Guys, welcome to Lewis Studios. Thank you. you Great go. to see you, man. Thank you for making the trip over the Dutch for my 50th. Not Cheers. Wouldn't be anywhere else. No, cheers. Cheers to uh, 50 years. Great to be in Melbourne. Man, how long have we known each other? Uh, since we we're five years old. Wow. 45 and 47 for Seven. us, isn't it? We're at kindergarten. Kindy. In the sand. <laughs> I reckon I've still got sand in my crack. <laughs> Probably have. <laughs> so, what do you think of the studios, man? It's been a it's been a six month project. It's impressive. It really yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Really impressed. Actually, it looks very professional. Um, yeah, awesome. Really uh, surprised as you know how professional it is, and you've spent a lot of money. Good on you. <laughs> is it that obvious? <laughs> I have no idea what you're up to, eh? So no, well, no, not it's a, a lot of people. You. I, you know what I don't like doing? I don't like spouting off about something and then it not turning out how I expect it to be. Which is a good way to be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But no, I'm, I'm more than happy and um, this is what I love doing. This is hopefully what I'm going to be doing for a little bit longer. Talking. Talking, which is pretty ironic <laughs> for a guy that doesn't like people, eh? How good yeah, is that? Yeah, but you've always been a talker. Oh, really, have yeah, I? Is that, have. Yeah? I can, yeah, I can always hold my own, can't I? You can. I can indeed. And of course, we've got Mav on the, uh, on the production desk doing a great job. He's been fantastic. Godson. Yes, God. Oh, he's too. I'd forgotten about that. I know. Keep forgetting this bit. Are you? <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the same <laughs> with Quinn, so uh, it's all right. I think I'm a few bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, Mav, I'd hit him up for some cash after this, mate. Uh, no, that's all right. Prizzy cards <laughs> in the mail, mate. Yeah. Cool. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you guys surprised me last night. Got in a day early, which Correct. I was very happy about because it saved me three hours of my life today waiting for you at the fucking airport, you know? yeah. which at the moment is just chaos. And what do we do all day, Rusty? Worked. Unpaid work. Unpaid, yep. What, what, you're drinking my Asahis. True story. Can we get onto Asahi too, please, Matt? About some sort of sponsorship yeah, deal? Maybe. I'm, I'm sure there's something, there's something in there. There's something in there. I'll be sure. all over it. Probably give you a couple of free hats and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'd be happy with just product Asahi beverages. Just product. That's all we need. That's all we need. Keep everybody happy. So, um, back in Melbourne, back uh, to overseas travel for the first time in a little while. Yeah. What was it like jumping on a plane again? Well, internationally. I mean, because you've been travelling domestically. What was it like at that end of the plane, Rusty? Was it it okay? (laughs) (laughs) Did you have to turn right and he turned left? I turned right. I mean, you know, we've known each other a long time, but who really does that, you know? Leave their friends and go and sit in business class. They said, uh, Glenn, there's a spare seat up here. Do you want me to bring him up? (laughs) We always knew he was a dick, Mm. eh? (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit disappointed, you know? uh, No, it was good. It was really good to see you guys. It was, that was, I said I didn't want any surprises. And that was a good surprise. Yeah, we now, went, when you're doing a catered event, you don't want some dick turning up going surprise. We weren't sure how you're going to take it, actually. No, I, 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 I knew you'd be right. Gonna, yeah. I wasn't. I was never going to tear up for you two. No, you no. teared up. Did no, I? No, we, we had a man hug, you know. Oh, as you do. Yeah, I, I, you know. I look forward to my man hugs when I haven't, haven't seen my buddies. I can for never a while. get those handshakes, eh? You know, well, so you either go, you either go for the full and hug, or you go the handshake with the shoulder. Yeah, I smother too. <laughs> you just want to get people in your titties so Come here Nuzzle those bad boys uh, So 50 years old Rusty's 50 You're the baby of the group 
coming up 50 in August. I should know this. Yeah, next month in Queenstown. Facebook is going to tell me, so yeah. I don't need to have a diary no. with that in, which is great. Thank you to Facebook. Um, yeah, 50 years. Yeah, we've been through a lot, haven't we? You know, a lot, a lot's uh, changed in 50 years, and um, mm. not everyone's alive. To be fair, not everyone's no. Some, it, so. some. Well, that's that. Funny you say that because my dad, at his 50th, I took the piss out of him. And he said, "Well, at least I've got to 50," and that, and that's so true. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was great. We had a mum and dad in the podcast studio the other night. Couldn't shut that up. But it was it was fantastic. Found out some stuff that we didn't know about him, you know. And that's the one thing about Lewis' state of mind is the format, the long form discussion format, um, brings out stuff and people pull stuff from the back of their head and it sparks emotions and 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 creates um, situations where y- you didn't think you were going to be in discussion wise. Um, and we don't get to sit down and talk. You know, we're, well, the last time we sat at the pub was probably six, 12 months ago together. And even then, you, you, you don't go deep. And it's, and it's not about going deep, it's just having those discussions that especially men need to have. I mean, we're not specifically targeting men, but what I'm saying is that, you know, men are the worst for talking about shit, you know? Yeah, I'd say so as well, actually. Yeah, mm. we all know that. Yeah, text yeah. doesn't quite cut it, does it? You don't get to the root of everything texting people. Oh, text, texting just gets taken out of context completely, you know, especially for stupid people that just don't understand and people that use all caps, you know. And Why LOL, are you shouting at me? Why are you shouting? Are you still using LOL the LOL? At the end of each text. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like you're literally laughing out loud. Really? Was it yeah. that funny? Neighbour just died. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so anyway, so my... Uh, what I want to achieve with Lewis State of Mind is just to have those discussions and just open up those channels and just say the stuff and ask the questions that need to be asked um, and and learn and learn because life's a journey. It's not a destination. Just learn more, understand more and talk and communicate. So Yeah, it's definitely a journey. You've, you've got to play, play as you go and, and, and live life like... Um yeah, we, we all go out uh, in a box at the end of the day and you just got to live, you know. And Well, the one thing I've learned at 50 years old at this point in my life is that it's not a test run. There's, there's no second go at this and I want to achieve more. I don't want to get into a rut. I don't want to do the same things. I don't want to um, have habits that, that will, will form my personality for the rest of my life. There's a lot of stuff that I still want to achieve. Um, I've done a lot, and you've done a lot. We've all done a lot in 50 years, which is great, but there's still more to be done, and I'm not ready to fucking lie down yet. Oh, no, 100%, you know. And, you know, I know for my, my life, um, and Glenn will relate to this as well, um, uh, you know, my dad died at, at 44, so from a very young age, I've thought... Oh, I'm going to die at 44, and I don't know why I had, had that in my head, but I did. So, you know, throughout my life, I've tried to um, do a lot of things to fit it in until I died at 44, which was a surprise to me at 44 when I didn't die. <laughs> but uh, well, see, I've got the same thing about 65. You know, 65 is the retirement age. Anything 
after 65, and my wife hates me saying this, is a bonus. So I, I have set a time limit, like you thought that you had. I've got 65, and I want to do as much as, much as I can and achieve as much as I can up to that point. And then anything after that, that's a bonus. That's the, that's the cherry on the, on, the, on the cake. And that's the way I'm going to live my life. And I have thought about you know, what I do and how I do it. Oh yeah, you've got you've got to, you've got to fit things in, and, and you know p- people listening to this, um, you know life is short; it goes really fast. Um, get as much done as you can. Um, never put things off, and you know anything worthwhile in life is is never easy. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, if it's hard, it's normally normally worthwhile, and you get the rewards at the end of it. Well, you know that more so than probably a lot of other people because of what you've done in your life. All right, so let's, I mean, let's look at your resume. Part of that resume was the police force. Correct, yep. How many years were you in the police force? Um, I did 14, 14 years in the police. Yep, and when did you go into the force? Uh, 1999, I joined the, the New Zealand police and yeah, it was, uh, I had a good time while I was in there, but it was, uh, yeah, sometimes uh, taxing mentally. Um, it's a very unsafe job if uh, people people are looking at joining. But <laughs> well, <laughs> so what made what made you want to go in the police force? What was the catalyst that go that said that that pushed you towards the police force as opposed to something else like the navy or the army or because um, your brother was in the army, yeah? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, Initially, you actually, you looked at hairdressing, didn't you? <coughs> no. <laughs> I thought you were hey, going to be call, a jockey no. at some stage. What happened yeah, there? Yeah, but um, no, I don't like horse, horses, and, uh, <laughs> and it, it's, you don't it's like six hair. foot one. I, I didn't think I'd uh, I'd make that, but anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I joined the police for the sole reason of having an adventure. Yeah, um, brilliant. You know, like I say, uh, life short, and I was never really a. Um, eight to five sort of guy doing the same old job. So yep. I wanted an adventure and I certainly got that. Shit, yeah. Yeah. Let's back the truck up a bit, all right? So when you left school, what did you do when you left school? Uh, when I left school, I became a, uh, what, what we call uh, automotive machinist. So I was a- That's right, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot about that. I was an engine reconditioner. How long did that last? Uh, did that for four years and knew, knew uh, pretty early on that that was never going to be me for a career. Yeah. Um, again, eight till five and doing the same thing day same in day out. Yeah. Jesus. It was never. I was never like that. And yeah. So then I ended up uh, going overseas. I lived in America for a year. What were you doing over there? I was. Um, don't skim. Was, don't skim over. I was wearing Lycra and, and racing uh, push bikes. There you go. Uh, a professional America. cyclist or bicyclist. Yeah. So. Bicyclist. Yeah, I didn't really work for two years, and yeah. Was it? It was only two years overseas. Yeah, I did a, me- a year in America and a year in Europe. Brilliant. As a professional cyclist, paid in a team, racing for money. Correct. Were you but you weren't a bi cyclist, were you? <laughs> uh, no, I was not. <laughs> just, I was just a cyclist. Glenn's, Glenn's here for the one-liners all day. Yeah, people yeah. wanted to be know. prepared for people it. People were sitting here thinking, did he say he's a bi cyclist? Okay, well, here's the here's the hard, the tough question. Were you blood doping? Um, no. Good to hear. No. Good to hear. No, yet, yet to be uh, very uh, wealthy to do that. Oh, was Back it? In is, those days. is it just? <laughs> was it just about the money? Was it? You just needed the 
the backing and the and the and the funding and the and the technology and the and the chemists and the oh look a lot uh, yeah a lot was going on. Um, yeah. So if we talk about uh, Lance Armstrong, are we in the same decade, the same era era as Lance doping? Yep. Probably have to edit that out. But has he got any money to sue us? Has he got any Pro- left? Probably. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I don't really want to say too much on that. I mean, it was definitely going on over there. You knew um, it was I, happening. I, yeah, I yeah. Saw so it. everybody. Um, so that's the thing is like everybody in the in in the fraternity knew it all. It was happening. Oh, yeah, it was, and it, it was, was very well known. Common knowledge. Yeah. So could but you it, compete, Russell? Not doing that. Were not you really. Still no. competitive. Did you? No. Was it frustrating? Knowing that you have done all you can do, and you're going up against guys that are blood doping, yeah, and, and you can't keep up with them, and they're well, there's, there's not just blood doping. There's a lot. There's lots of well, um, it's drugs, that's a broad, but, um, yeah, broad, broad brush. But yeah, you had to be pr- pretty dedicated to to do that, because um, at the end of the day, you know, your your body's going to suffer later on in life, and it did for people over there, and and that's the main reason why I ended up getting out. That was for health reasons. Yeah, I just didn't want that. Um, when I hit forty, having any yeah. issues. Yeah, it's the same with like bodybuilders and that. You know, the shit they put in their system. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard sport. You know, it's yeah. um, and it's yeah, you don't you don't really know until you, until you're in it. But it's definitely a a tough game, and you know, you you spend a lot of lot of your day in pain. That's how it rolls. But did you enjoy it? Oh, it you always do adventure. because it's um, yeah, an it's adventure. an adventure and it's a challenge. You know, and, I, and I've always yeah. been up for that. I'm always up for a challenge, and again, it, you know, it comes back to anything worthwhile is never easy, and yeah. it wasn't easy, I think but it was a, worthwhile. I think he's a t-shirt in that. I think we could. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you guys have been to the uh, <laughs> to the merch store on the way, and I yeah, we have hey, <laughs> sponsored advertising billboards. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to have to swipe your credit cards on the way out. By the way, <laughs> no, no problem. Nothing's free around here. Hey, we paid for lunch. Oh, true. Mm. Fair enough. They're on the house. True. Hey, um, so you. Two years in Europe. You came back from Europe. No, you're in a, in the states. So you're in Europe. Yep. Came back um, and uh, sold cars. Actually, I think you sold me one, didn't you? I don't know. Did I? Yes, you did. <laughs> you did, Mister Toyota. Well, I mean that, that that's actually quite a unique story in itself because um, you know I came back from overseas. I ha- I had no job um, and had to really start again and figure out what I wanted to do. I knew that wasn't engine reconditioning, and I. Um, knew that I wanted to, what, whatever I did, I wanted to work hard and earn good money. If I was just in an eight to five hourly job, uh, it didn't really matter how hard I worked, I'd still get the same money. So yeah, exactly. I figured I needed to get into sales. So um, I figured, okay, if I can get into sales and I can work hard, I can make some good money. And it was just a natural uh, occurrence that it happened to be um, cars because I'd been an automotive machinist, so I knew cars, so I just ended up thinking, okay, I need to get in sales, dealt with cars, car sales. Yep. And um, yeah, ended up in that, um, but it was never my my long-term goal to stay in there. It's a tough job. Um, yes, you earned, earned uh, good money, and at the time I think I was probably earning double what my friends were earning that were working in um, yeah, hourly rate jobs, uh, but it was tough. You know, it was a, a lot of work, six days a week, phone calls at night, very stressful. Um, but yeah, it was good. It served a purpose. So we talk about hard work versus reward, money. How important is money to you? 
Does money drive everything you do? Or do you just purely understand the value of it and what it can do for you? Oh, I think it's, you know, over periods of my life, it's definitely driven me because uh, money gives you options. And uh, the more money you have, the more options you have. Yep. It's, and that's, that's pretty much it. Yep. Um, yeah. What about you, Glenn? <laughs> how, how do you value money? Oh, look, I wouldn't say I'm driven, but at the end of the day, to do what I want to do, I need money. So I work hard. Um, I've got to where I've got to. You yeah. know, unfortunately, I wasn't a professional cyclist, although I know I look like one. Well, there's no uh, money in that. But, um, <laughs> no, you want to be a golfer, mate. <laughs> it's not the be all and end all, but hey, I don't want to be working till I'm 70 either. No, exactly. We had that discussion over lunch, didn't we, about retirement and, and, and you can't take it with you. you know? But as you say, it affords you opportunities. And, the, you know, we don't want to be millionaires. We don't want to be filthy rich well that would be nice but it doesn't it's not the end or be all is it? no it doesn't define you um like i say money gives you options and allows you to have adventures and create memories because you know if you, if you don't do that um i what, couldn't, I couldn't have said that any better mate that was that's that's perfect it's exactly it yeah it affords you those opportunities to create those memories yeah 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 because you're not gonna you're not gonna you know lie, lie on your deathbed and, and think man i um man i've got a lot of money in the bank you know, who cares? Like, uh, no. what you're going to be thinking about is, man, I did all this stuff, and you know, I try and go through life as, okay, if I died today, um, have I done a lot of stuff um, that you know I thought was cool, and do I feel fulfilled? And I can say that for yeah, I can. <laughs> you yeah. know, I've, I've done a, done a lot. And well, a lot of people, fifty, they can't, they they couldn't say exactly what you just said. No, about, no, about having. A, a point in your life where you go, well, if I die today, pretty happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, um, because I always thought it, you know, I was going to be dead at forty-four, like like my dad was. Um, I've got to fit all the stuff in, yeah. and so I did. So whenever I had an opportunity to do things, I just did it. I didn't make excuses where a lot of people do. I mean, well, actually, anyone can find an excuse not to do something. Mm. You just have to have to find the reason to do something. Yeah. But you go back to your point about your dad dying and at 10 or 11, my dad died as well. Yeah, yeah, I remember and, it. And, yeah. um, you know, you think, shit, I'm gonna, I could die at 44 or whatever, you know. Mm. So you've got 34 yeah. more years to live, you think, and then you hit 45 and you're like, shit, I'm not dead, what am I going to do now? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually, hard for a kid what, at that age. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for me it was like that. It was like, wow, I, um, I'm not dead. That, actually, that whole year, that whole year when I turned 44, I was waiting, okay, yeah, it was wasn't really. Till, yeah, it wasn't until I t turned forty five that it was playing on your mind that whole year. Yeah, like yeah something's yeah. gonna go down yeah. here. Something. And, and at, at forty five, I was like, man, I made it. I did it. If if you don't mind me asking, because I can't remember, was it a pure health issue with your father? Yeah, he, when he, he died, died of cancer. Oh, it was cancer. Yeah. Sometimes there's not a lot you can do in that situation, is it? No, and it ha happens to lots lots of people. So yeah, it's just that's the. That's the one thing that plays in the back of my mind, and it, it drives me as well, is that one day you could just get up, oh, I've got a bit of a sore back, off to the doctors, oh, you're fucking riddled with cancer. You know, I am, I, and I've said it previously, that I'm really acutely aware of my body. Like, I'll go to the doctors three to six months and I'll get bloods done, just to make sure that my cholesterol's tracking right, nothing's going wrong, you know, white cell counts, all that sort of stuff, yeah, yeah. good. You know, exercise eat well and try to do the best and and you you realize as you get older that that is that's got to be number one 
all that stuff, that personal health stuff, mental, physical, that's got to be number one in your life. And then the rest will come. Can, sorry, can you timestamp that, Mav? Uh, yeah. Your seat. Can you pick up? Can you hear yeah, the seat? I can hear the seat. Yeah, yeah. I can hear something. Oh, oh fuck, that was lucky. Turn your phone off. Uh, yeah, whose seat is it? Um, not mine. I forgot to turn my phone off when mid podcast. Can I talk to you later? Love you. Do you see it again, Rusty? Yeah. Pull those either that or pull those arms up. They go back. Yeah. Oh, is it? Is it rubbing on there? I don't think it was mine. No, it's yours. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're moving. Your mic was the one that was picking up the most, even when you weren't speaking. But you could hear the squeak. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just. I didn't know whether we could hear it or because I can hear it in the cans. Yeah. All right. Okay. So. Cut that bit out. Yeah, so you got a timestamp? Yeah. Well, 20 minutes well, in, it's easy, 20. isn't it? Yeah. Um, we were talking about, are we back in? Yes, yeah. we're back in. Um, yeah, we're talking about health being number one as you get older. And I'm more, and as I said, I'm very conscious about it. I yeah, yeah, somehow. Sure. Yeah. And, it, I, you know, it's, um, I've actually been like it all my life, really. Um, you know, from, I started bike racing at, at 13. And so I was quite yeah, conscious of my young. diet. That's what I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I was quite conscious of my diet and health from that age. And uh, I've always, always tried to look after myself, but you never, you never know what's going to kill you. And, well, no, and even if you take care of yourself, you still could get cancer. You still could have a heart attack. You still could die from whatever. Brain clot. Something yeah. Like, something stupid. And if you do get cancer and you've got, or something like that where you know you've got X amount of time, you, you can kind of get your affairs in order. But um, What would you prefer? Would you prefer a time period that you knew you had left or would you prefer it to just happen quickly? Um, I, funny enough, I've thought about this lots and <laughs> I think I'd prefer a, a time frame. Yep, so you can just sort your shit out. Yeah, yep. do anything that I needed to or felt like I needed to do in my life. Yep. Have you got a list? Have you got a bucket list? Um, kind of, yeah. 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 What about you, Glenn? Oh, I don't think I'd want to know. I think it'd mess with my head. I really do. The time, having the time left? Or knowing if you knew exactly when you were going to go or how long you had. I know it'd give you time to do things, but I think it'd mess with my head too much. I think it depends how you look at it, though, because we, we, all of us will die. Every single person listening to this podcast, mm. we're all going to die at some point. Just live, live your life, have fun. Get as much in as you can. Live until I die. Yeah, yeah before sure. it happens, yeah. you know, because it is going to happen. Yeah. I think we'd all need a little bit of time. We've got to delete our browser history and <laughs> clean up the sock drawer and stuff. But <laughs> oh, you there is always that one like, friend, eh? Couldn't have said it. Just, just going back to Russell's healthy eating, I'd just like to point out he's had two burgers in the last 24 hours. Hey, yes. I, hey, I, I'm on holiday. Burgers. Yeah, that's hey. fair enough. He didn't have... He didn't have two Rosties extra with his breakfast this morning because I shut him down. I no, said, one's one. enough. One's enough, mate. Come on. It's, let's just be yeah. sensible You're making about making us this. look bad, Rusty. <clears throat> so after the car yard, you did sell me a Toyota. I presume you did me a good deal from what I can remember. I would have. I yes. Yeah. You're probably about the only car salesman I trust, to be good honest. So after Toyota, it was the police force? Yes, that, it was. That's when you made the decision to go, I'm going to save the world? Well, I wouldn't say save the, save the world. Just tasting. It, it, it was more selfish, actually. It was more to have an adventure. It was, um, 
funny enough, I, I never like car sales was never my end game, and it was a means to an end. Yeah, it was, and I hated it to be honest. It was, it was, a, it was a, yeah, a lot of pressure. It was a, it was a hard, a hard gig to, to do, and I was always looking for something else. And it wasn't until a friend of mine, uh, who was also selling cars at the time, rang me up one day and says, oh, "I'm leaving. I'm um, joining the police." And I thought, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. So I looked into it. You hadn't thought about it prior to that? Not the police. I thought about the military. Um, and once I thought about it and got it in my head, uh, 10 months later, I was in the police. So. Were they recruiting hard back then? Uh, they were, um, but not for where I wanted to go. They were recruiting hard for Auckland at, the, at that time. Uh, to get back to where I wanted to go was a, a little bit tougher. So did, was that a waiting process to wait to get the yeah. placement that you wanted yeah. to come back to Hawke's Bay? Yeah, you could have got in straight away, but you would have just got sent wherever they needed people. Yep. And I didn't uh, want to do that, so I waited, and yeah, 10 months later I was at police college. How long does police college last for? Uh, back then it was uh, six months, I think. You got some stories from there? Not really, no. No? No dorm stories? Because nope. I actually went down there and saw the living situation. And uh, just lends itself to pillow fights and pillow. I can imagine Rusty having a pillow fight so in his in his crop top. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, yeah, hey, there was a, there was a few uh, a few parties and and things like that, but it was um, well, of course, you you put that many men and women in close proximity, and they're going to get a bit of pent up anger and anxiety and and want it. Yeah, no stories to tell there. No, I haven't no. actually. Yeah, I was, I was, I was uh, pretty boring. <laughs> that, is, that is, that's disappointing. So, what did we say? Four months in the in the force in the um, college? Uh, nearly six, I think it was. Six months. I can't actually remember to be honest. Posted straight back to Hastings or Napier? Uh, Hastings. Yeah. Shock to the system? Uh, not really, actually. You um, so they prepared you for everything that you were no um, experience. No, oh, they? no, they, they, no, def they definitely don't. Um, I mean, I, I kind of knew what I was in for, but because of my upbringing, I was, um, you know, grew up, grew up in a what do you call it, a lower socio-economic area, so I kind of knew what I was in for, who I'd be dealing with, and it was absolutely no shock to me at all. Um, but was yeah. the training was the training adequate? Did they do a good enough job at college? Oh, definitely to not. Prepare you? No, no way. No, it's um, you would you would definitely make changes, make it longer, make it more comprehensive. Well, you can't, you can't. Um, it's real life stuff. Eh? Yeah, yeah, it's impossible yeah. to to try and teach that. I mean, you came out of police college back then, and I don't know how it is today, but back then you came out, and you knew what certain pieces of paperwork were for, but you didn't really know what they were about or. Um, you know, you knew, you knew you had to do something, but what it was, you actually, when you're on the street, you actually didn't know. So you you learnt as you went. Yeah. And so it was like an <coughs> like an on job training apprenticeship yeah. type scenario. Yeah. So yeah, which which that's just the way it is. You know, you you can't prepare anyone for the the things that you're going to deal with on on a daily basis. Everything's different. Which you know, I hey, I got my goal. It was an adventure. <laughs> Let's so, say that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So is it like America, you get partnered up straight away? You've got a partner? 
Oh, yeah, when you first start, you do, yeah. Well, it, it depends where you're going, you know, what, what areas. There were, there were people that went through, when I went through, that ended up working by themselves straight away due to staffing and where, where they were rostered or where they were posted, sorry. Um, when I started, we were um, put with someone else, a more senior officer, for however long it was, three months, or I can't actually remember, but something along those lines. And they taught you as you went, and and every every hour of every day was different. Yeah. Um, Steep learning curve, just yeah, yeah, pretty much. Two I, feet tied together. I remember on the, I, I started on a funny how I remember things. I started on a Wednesday night at ten p.m. and I was working a night shift for seven seven days. And on on night three, I was pointing a rifle at the back door of this house, <laughs> and that was a very surreal moment for me. Wow. Can you elaborate on the situation that got you there? Um, I can't actually remember, to be honest, but um, I just remember that um, standing on a fence railing with a rifle pointed at a back door. So how much of a rush is that, holding a firearm? Was you, was well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was a rush, actually. It was, um, it was a very surreal situation, uh, knowing that if a person came out, came out of that door um, and it was a threat that you, <laughs> you may have to shoot them, was, um, it was a very surreal uh, situation to in that situation what's the ruling so you can only fire if fired upon or threatened or if, if somebody comes out with a steak knife you're not going to slam him in the chest with a couple of rounds no not well I mean the, what's the rules of engagement is basically what I'm trying to say well it's um, you know if you if you felt like you were threatened um, your life was threatened then you you could do something about it. I mean, if you came out with a bottle or a knife and you're on the other side of a fence, you weren't justified in shooting them. Yep. If they came out with a firearm and pointed at you, you were. So yep. it depends on the situation. And you could have shot You could have shot that person? Uh, no, no, because he never came out the door. He no. went out the front. <laughs> but, but, but you were mentally prepared to take the shot, is what I'm trying to say. Um, I mean, it's going back a, a lot of years, but, um, I mean, yeah, yeah. If, if you know, from many jobs I went to after that um, yep. it could, things just kind of fit into place and you kind of know yep. it's that self-preservation in there. oh 100% yeah yeah. yeah. I mean it's, yeah, it's like I say it's a very surreal situation the three days into the police and you're pointing a firearm at someone's door it's a good start isn't it yeah it's a good start when did you see your first dead body do you remember that um, yeah, I'm I do, sure actually. you've got to remember that yeah I saw that in training to be honest oh really yeah my, my first dead body was uh you, you you used to go back to your home station for two weeks, I think it was, and and did a did a ride along and just kind of watched and learnt, and um, yeah, that's when I saw my first dead body, which was a hanging. Oh dear. Yeah. In a in a home. In somebody's um, home. No, that that was actually at the mortuary. He had um, another another. Um, uh, police unit had, had brought them back to the mortuary and we um, did what, what we used to call back then mortuary procedure which uh, okay so yeah. do you remember your first murder investigation um, no 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 I don't remember them in order uh, I've seen a lot and you know seen between 250 and 300 dead people um, it's a lot in 14 years and um, yeah, I can't remember the order, and most things just I try and put them to the back of my head, and 
And sometimes people will say something and it will, it will trigger a memory about a certain death. Do you see, do you see faces? Do you see dead people? <laughs> <laughs> well, he sees dead people. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, do, 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 does that haunt you? Not really, no. no? No. As you say, you just block it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a you know, there's there's always ones that you remember. There's um, most people. It's just a it's just a body. Um, you don't know them. There's no attachment. There's there's nothing. There's no feeling. Um, I mean, gory ones are obviously not very pleasant. Um, but I mean, it's definitely a different story. I've had two that I've turned up to car accidents, um, and I knew the people. Oh, and man. that's a that's a different story. That's so. Did they teach you to departmentalise that sort of stuff? Uh, not back then. They didn't know. Was there? Do they now? I, I couldn't tell you. Was there psych help at the station? Was there? Was all that all those services afforded to you? Uh, back then, uh, no. That would have still um, been just harden up and carry on, wouldn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Day? And and to be honest, um, most cops of that era wouldn't have wanted that. I think in, in my whole whole police career, I had to see a psych twice, and both of those were compulsory. Um, Did it work? Did it help? No. No. Just a it was just a formality time? that you just Did went through to carry on. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, so it is just harden the fuck up. Uh, well, it's yeah. Just pack it. It was just that's just the way it was. There's no criticism there. It's just that's just the way it was. Yep. I mean that's um, probably changed nowadays. I, I'd hope so. They're probably more aware of it. Yeah. Um, but it, also in saying that, there's um, probably not a lot of cops nowadays do that that long on front line. So. What do you mean by front line? We're talking about the first responders. You're talking. At, yeah. Yeah. So you're the first car that turns up to the nasty shit. Yeah. 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 You're not just writing parking tickets and doing people for jaywalking. No, front, front well, frontline can can be that as well. But um, frontline is your, yeah, your yeah your first responders. Uh, you you call one 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 and you've got a situation. Uh, the people that turn up, and whatever that is, whether it's a death or a domestic or a robbery or a, an assault or a fight, whatever it is, they 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 are people first on the scene. And New Zealand cops don't have guns some have guns or they do have guns now because they when you're uh, in the force back, back then i mean the, the new zealand police are still um an unarmed police force I generally i think it's only new zealand and england are about the only places that do that isn't yeah, it yeah there's not many yeah um but they were available to you um yeah probably not uh, <laughs> It depends on what's happening. If someone's shooting at you, you're probably shit out of luck. You're probably dead. But yeah. so, did you want to be armed if you had the choice? Um, that's actually quite a tough question because it depends on the training. I, I don't, I don't think there's enough training uh, for police officers to carry firearms full time. Because um, I guess the worry is that if someone takes your firearm off you, correct, they've then got yep. a firearm. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, I, if you're if you're trained well enough. Definitely. Uh, As you say, training is always going to be lacking in anything, and especially in the police force. Yeah, there's costs involved in training, so of exactly. course, you know, and that's what they weigh up as cost versus. Exactly. You know, well, I still freak out things. when I see cops here with their sidearms, and you 
be walking behind them and you just you think that like how easy would it be to unclip it and take his there's a actual there's a holster on the guns that you have to slide to i think their forward or their back and then pull up so you Correct. can't just yeah. oh so you can't it, <clears throat> no, okay. Okay. Well, actually, not that it may have not that i was ever going to do that yeah but thanks but, for the heads up yeah also um new zealand police only special units carry guns like ones at airports and all that with dogs mev's actually doing his job He's online. He's, you're actually paying attention. Well Thank done, you. Yeah, well this done, is actually man. an interesting conversation. It is. That's yeah, what Lewis all about, buddy. One that I don't have to tune out for. <laughs> <laughs> so you've seen some shit. You've dealt with a lot of stuff. For you personally, over the start of your career, what was the shitty... What was the point in your career where you said, fuck... What I've just seen or what's happened is just too much, or it's just a, a just a, a sensory overload, and you've just got to completely shut off and shut down. And yeah, I don't think there was one particular moment. I think it uh, builds up on you. So I am naturally quite a curious person. So for me, when I first joined, I was quite curious to see a dead person, and. Uh, it was interesting at first and you know you get to see all sorts of things uh, from someone dying naturally in their sleep to a very gory deaths um, and but towards the end I had had enough and I knew I just uh, I just went to work one day and I went to a sudden death and I thought from that time I, I don't want to see this anymore that was the and that was the switch yep. and I was just like I've had enough but like I say you know that was probably 250 or 300 dead people later um, but yeah I think I think it does definitely take its toll on people I don't know how it wouldn't I mean it, mentally it doesn't matter how hard you are externally or physically mentally that stuff's just got to grind you fucking down you yeah, know, and you can you can only shut so much out, and if you're not talking about it or not dealing with it, it's going to compound. I mean, you you do talk about it with with say in your group that you're working with, and you know a lot of people say if they weren't in the police listening to a police conversation, you know, there's a lot of black humour, you know, there's a lot of that sort of talk that goes on, and and I have seen it before where you know a group of you know, police officers are talking and there's there's someone in the room that's, you know, non-police that is just horrified at our conversations where that's just us dealing with it. And, yep. yeah, I mean, some, some of the stuff is, pr is pretty bad. And, yeah. That's there's a lot of, from what I've heard and what I can gather, there's a lot of joking, there's a lot of... Yeah, definitely. ...carrying yeah. on like that, you know, the pranks you used to pay on each other. That's a coping mechanism. Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty tough job, and, you know, I think even nowadays, you know, anyone that's in the police on the front line is, um, you know, it's a very dangerous job, and it's getting worse and worse with, with all the drug e epidemics that are out there. So, yeah, which, it, I mean, the, the, the landscape's changed from when you're in the force. Oh, definitely, yeah. And it's mainly to do with drugs yeah. and the amount of drugs, and you're yep. turning up to a job where somebody's on whatever... And you don't know how they're going to react. Oh, 100%. And they're 
ten foot tall and they're bulletproof because yep. of what they've consumed. Yeah, and and, and it's def- it was definitely you know hap- happening when I was there, but it's you know probably a hundred times worse now. And, and you know anyone that um, joins a police, not you know no one wants to go to work and and think about getting killed, but fuck, they've got to think about it nowadays because it's it's pretty rough out there. It yeah. always staggers me that now, you know, you, you start a job and you're not allowed to use a box cutter because you might cut your finger. You guys are out there with druggies and people with firearms and people wanting to run you over. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, they, and the, you know, and, paid enough. And, and the lack of respect from the community. Yeah. Oh, totally. the community has yeah. no idea what a what a police officer deals with day well, in and day out. lack of from a certain amount of people. There are a lot of people that respect cops, you know, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but the, when you're in, when you are on the front line, you don't actually see that because they're not the people you're dealing with. So you're pe- you're dealing with predominantly people that hate the police, mm-hmm. day in day out. And actually, it wasn't um, you know for, for me, everyone you ever spoke to hated the police, um, except yeah. for obviously victims and and things like that. But being a frontline cop, most people you dealt with just hated you, mm-hmm. and it actually wasn't till many years later when um you know we had the had the napier siege that that went on and there was um parades afterwards and and you know napier city came out and was was clapping as we marched down the street and that was the first time i actually in my whole police career that i thought um well there are people that like the police out there did it make you feel proud um at that time yeah yeah you talked about the napier siege i said i wanted to touch on it do you want to talk any more about it? Do you want to? Is it something that you want to discuss? Um, yeah, yeah, I don't mind. Um, Tell me how the day started. Then. When was it? Well, for, for, for anyone listening out there, on the the seventh of May two thousand and nine, um, there was a, a police shooting in Napier, um, and um, yeah, one one of um, my colleagues was killed and two others were were injured um, by gunshots and it ended up in a 51 hour siege um, at the time I was on the um, armed defenders squad and yeah we yeah went, went to that job and um, so how did how did the day start off for you what was your day like for me I was working at my other job which was unrelated to the police <laughs> and um, and we being on AOS we used to have uh, pages and for those people listening AOS stands for Armed Offenders Squad. So and basically the SWAT it's a New Zealand version of SWAT. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got all the tactical gear you roll up in the big black vehicles and you've got the shit to take these dicks down. Well kind of like that we didn't have the black vehicles but uh, Oh really? <laughs> Balaclavas <laughs> Yeah, you still see it's Russell. You see his <laughs> eyes, I'm like, it's Russell. Apparently, you could. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, my pager went off. Um, we used to have a code that used to come over, which so there was several codes meaning how serious things were, and the code that came over was the most serious code. Um, that you, did, you're not going to divulge that code. It wasn't like a code brown or anything like that. <laughs> Definitely wasn't a code brown. It's another story. Um, I think they run a different system now, so it's probably irrelevant. But yeah, <laughs> um, but I knew that code when it came through. There was something serious going on. Did your heart? Did you? Not really, because no. that 
that was just kind of a a routine job. That's what that's what our role was. You know, we were called out to that sort of stuff. Um, but did 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 you get it? Did you get a little bit of a tingle? Like, did, no, I didn't until so it was uh, how it played out in the years before that. If if you got that code come through, it would come through once, and that was it. And so you just head on gear up. Yep. Yep. Head on in and and gear up. Um, that day there, it, uh, the code came through, and then about two or three minutes later, it came through again. And at that time, anyone could call you out, so you could have got called out by the police station, you could have got called out by the communication centre or um, one of the bosses. So for it to go off twice, I knew something something Some bad was down. happening. Yeah. And so when I arrived at the station I was told that um, yeah, one of the guys that I knew had been shot and killed but it was actually wasn't the guy that actually was shot and killed um, so they'd got the wrong name um, and then we headed on in we were, we were kind of briefed quickly when we got there and then moved to our positions so you're obviously reacting to what initially happened with the police officer getting shot. Can you tell us what happened leading up to him being shot? Yeah, there was a, um, uh, a, a minor search warrant just for um, cannabis plants, just a, a, a routine minor job. Uh, three police officers have gone gone to this house. Um, Is three normal for something like that? Uh, de- uh, depends. Could be, might not be. Depends on the situation. What time of the morning was it? Uh, that was about nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, at at that time, the offender wasn't wasn't home. His partner was. Uh, so she'd let them into the house. They were searching, and he came home. Why they were mid search? Why they were mid search, and and I don't know the actual circumstances inside the house. What happened? But at some point, he's managed to get a firearm, ordered them out of the house, and when they've got to the footpath, that's when he's shot. But the in, the, in the back, did they know it was coming? Did they, um, were they facing the offender? Yep. So, yeah, one officer was shot and killed, and then... Instantly? Uh, yeah, I do know, but I don't, I don't really want to okay. say. But yep. um, And then the offender's gone out, and as the other to have been running he's uh, shot both of them as well and also the house was a member of the public and he tried to wrestle the gun off him and he got shot so there was um, four people that ended up getting shot sorry who was wrestling the gun um it was actually a, a friend of his who turned up in, at the house that as was well. in the house yeah yeah and he got shot yeah but there was only one fatality out of those four victims correct yeah and he was a, a good friend of yours yeah, yeah. His I, I, knew, I knew all of them. Knew him yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, and you're a tight unit, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, out of the th- three that were shot, two of them were on our AOS squad. So yeah, you know, I knew all of them. Yeah. Okay, how long between the shootings and you turning up? What sort of time period are we looking at? Twenty-five, thirty minutes. And within that time, the offenders just boarded themselves up into the 
into the house? He's just. Um, do you know? Do you know what I, was going? All on as I can you tell you, you know, is that when when I got there, we didn't know where he was. So you were walking up that hill um, with uh, what, what we used to say. You know, the, you could feel the hairs standing up on the back of your neck because you just did not know if you were going to get shot in the back or from the front, the side. You just had no idea when he, where he was and. Yeah, I can't, I can't, you know, we're going back 12 years now, but... Um, so the gear that you're wearing, could you take a shot? Oh, it depend, depends if, what, what calibre bullet yeah. and where you were shot, and but you wouldn't want to get shot, no. no. <laughs> so the good. victims, the four victims, are they still lying where they're shot? Are they... Uh, one, one was, one had managed to get out, and one we didn't know where he was when we, when we first got there, and... Um, you know, I was, I was actually me and two, two other AOS members were told that we we were to be a team to. Um, we were initially told that that one of the the guys that had been shot was was in the driveway of the house and that we were going to have to go in and get him. Um, but then, as as it transpired, as we were formulating our plan, um, a member of the public rang up and said that he was in her house the next house over and that we needed to get in there quickly because he was bleeding out and um, at first we were tasked to do that but it meant going past the house where where the offender was so that um, ended up happening by uh, guys that were up the top top of a hill because this, this whole thing happened on the on the side of a hill so we're talking about a residential area on the top of a hill in Napier and we've got one side of the road we've got the victim, uh, the, the perpetrator's home, what's on the other side of the road? More houses? No, nope. so the other side of the road was a hill and a cemetery. Um, and I can't remember the actual se sequence of events, but at, at some stage I went up to the cemetery to see if we had any cover and to see if I could see which, the, which, which one the house was. We knew the number, but we didn't know which houses were which. Yeah. So um, I went up into the cemetery and found out... Um, I could see that we had two of our snipers up there and I went to talk to one of them and asked, you know, hey, which is, which is the house? And he said, I don't know, it's it's one of those two. And um, and at some point he started shooting, which um, uh, most, most people would think that would actually freak, freak you out, but it was quite a, a surreal situation then because it was well, actually... You knew where he was, It was a you? relief because... Yeah. Now we knew where he was. Yeah. Where before that you didn't know if you were going to get shot in the back. Where now, you know, it was actually, yeah, it was a relief. Oh, okay, he's there. When he started shooting, yeah. what was he shooting at? Um, was uh, he specifically targeting people? Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was yeah, shooting at us. Yeah. Up on the hill in the cemetery, you and the two snipers, he was shooting at you? Yep, we, could, we couldn't see him. So, so could you he, see the bullets hitting the ground? Uh, uh, no, not not at that stage, no. But um, later on, I could see uh, a few things. You could hear them buzzing past your head. But <laughs> that's I mean, got to be surreal, man. Yeah, they they ended up making a movie about it, and the and the movie is very factual, but it only shows, um, you know, on that day there was uh, about a hundred and I'm just going off memory here. Um, don't quote me on this, but I think it was 181 rounds were shot. And every one of those rounds had a had a story behind it, 
and you know the movie covered off the 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 facts as to what happened but it only showed a very you know very few of those actual you know gunshots there was a lot more that happened that day but obviously they can't you know they can't get all of that and it's got to be condensed down to a however long the movie is you know two hours or what was the caliber of the rifle what was he shooting uh at first he was shooting um with a uh, a 223 or a in metric a 556 mm. millimeter so it was a mini 14 rifle and then he later changed uh, to an SLR which fires a 308 round and it's could, a big round I'm not a gun guy yeah. it's a big round oh yeah yeah you could definitely you could tell the difference just know, by just by the sound oh yeah yeah those rounds you know coming towards you you know when you fire a gun it's loud when they're coming towards you totally different sound is it a whistle is it like a oh it depends where it's going it's just uh, I, I can't even describe it it's um it's not a nice feeling um it dep- depends how close they are you know they whistle i mean some of them are hitting trees uh, you know branches above us um dep- depends you know because like i said it was a long day and well, that first day anyway but um were you scared or there was just too much adrenaline did you stop and think and go fuck i'm gonna I'm in a dire situation here. Some guys potting shots and I could be next. Is that what's going through your head? Uh, yep, for sure. Yeah? Yep, yep. You you didn't know if you were coming home at the end of that day. That was, that was 100% the feeling. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a pretty, uh, yeah, it was a rough time. And, you know, yeah, any any guys in the military that go, go through that sort of stuff on a day-in, day-out basis, well, you know, you've got to take your hat off to them. And, and you know, I don't think people actually appreciate what what they do, you know, after, after being being through a little snippet like that, and yeah. you know these guys are, you know, in, in full combat. How you, man, they've been through a lot. It's do you think it's something that you just get used to if you're in their situation? Yep. It's experiencing what you've experienced. Yeah, it. it, it um, I think it's like anything in life. If uh, you deal with a certain situation um, at whatever level that is, and in whatever circumstance you you become accustomed to that level. And become uh, more resilient. So, um, and I, I know for me, say in that in that situation, after you know going through, say that that job, whenever we got called out on jobs after that, that maybe previously to the siege, you might have been nervous or um, your heart rate might have been up. Apprehensive. Um, yeah. 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 After that, nah, there was no. I don't even think my heart rate went up. You just hardened. You just yeah. You, you just got to one level, and then you were at that level. Is that and a bad thing though, or a good thing? Well, it's a coping. Well, it's, I, th- mechanism. I think yeah. I think it's just the coping mechanism. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it was, it was actually quite interesting that day because you know you did a lot of training over the years before that, and you always thought, is, you know, why are we doing this? This is you know this is such a waste of time, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then when you were in, in a situation like that it all comes together and you're like okay that's that's why we did this training so and it all just clicks in yeah it, it all just, just yep boom and that's the that's the beauty about good training isn't it? yeah so um anyone out there looking at uh, doing uh you know wondering why your your uh, people in whatever industry you're doing are, are training you in a certain way there's there's reasons why so just just follow it exactly now you said you commented about not Think, or thinking that you may not come home. Was there a chance during that day, because it was it was over the course of two days, wasn't it? Day and a half. 
Yeah, I've, yeah. For, for, I mean, we were there first, and other squads from around New Zealand got got called in. Some drove, some came in helicopters um, to bolster our positions, and then also relieve us. Was, um, there, was there any point during that when you're on duty that you stopped and picked up your phone and called your family, or it didn't even come into your head? Um, yep, I did. Yep, yep. I made a phone call saying, "Yeah, I might I might not be home tonight, at all." <laughs> so, um, but I think you know a lot of guys did that. You know, it was pretty intense, and every single person that was there, you know, ha- has their own story. And even in the years after, you know, you only found out b- um, bits and pieces of of what happened um, as people talked about it. And you know, like say years later, you'd be like, "Oh wow, I didn't realize that it happened," because a lot went on. You know, there was. You know, in our squad at the time, there was there was sixteen of us, and you know, two were out because they'd been shot, and um, so that left fourteen of us. And every single one of those fourteen um, was shot at. Um, has their own stories. Um, yeah, so much happened that day. It was yeah, it was it was pretty full on. So, do you remember what time you turned up in the morning? Do you remember? Is it is it etched in your memory the, the time did you look at your watch and go this is when shit's getting real um, I did but I can't tell you what that time was now How but long? it was about 25 or 30 minutes after the, the shootings yep. happened how long were you on duty for before um, you were relieved so we were I can't actually remember what time we were pulled out of there we had to when other staff arrived from other other areas, we got replaced um, maybe 12, 14 hours later. Um, and then we had to go back and we had statements taken and then did a whole lot of thing, things like that. And I don't think I got home till two in the morning. And then we, the next day, I think we had to do psych tests to see if we were eligible to go back in. Fit for service. Yep. yep. Jesus, um, did you even sleep that night? Could you sleep? Unaided. Um, I actually can't remember. I can't remember. It was all kind of a blur. You didn't go home, crack a beer and go, fuck? No, no, no. Just no. numb? Were you numb? You just, um, I, I don't just know. I remember I was really tired and we hadn't um, eaten um, or had, I used to carry a camelback and, and uh, it's quite, quite ironic actually because every day before... Um, that job, I'd, I'd, well, after each other job, I'd fill the camelback ready for the next job, and um, I hadn't filled it. That was the only job I went to that I hadn't filled the camelback, so I had no water. So that was um, that, that was a bit rough. Mav, you see why I always tell you to fill the camelbacks up? Can you see? Yep, I what? see clearly now. Definitely fill the camelback. <laughs> <laughs> so. Did you say the siege was 51 hours from... Yeah, going off memory, I think it was 51 hours, yeah. So you went back in the morning? You were called back? No, we were rostered back on for the next night shift. So we started at about 10. And it was all done and dusted? Uh, at the time, no. Uh, they they used some... Uh, the army came in and used um, some labs, which were like um, armoured armoured vehicles and they use robots to um, 
use explosives to blow the doors off the garage so they could get into the house. His partner was in the house the whole time? Oh, yeah. You said there was a female. Yeah, uh, she, she got out at some stage. I couldn't tell you when. Uh, that escaped was earlier or, on in the first day. Escaped or let out? Um, I, I don't actually know, to be fair. I did know, but I just can't remember. I think she voluntarily left. Mm. Can you tell us how it all ended? Um, yeah, well, it ended with him killing himself. He shot himself in the head. That's how it ended. And, um, I mean, the police had a fair idea that, that that's what had happened and an entry team went in and confirmed that. Wow. So, yeah, it was a, yeah. Took the easy way out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was all, the whole thing was ne- a, a needless, um, you know, n- needless for him, needless for... You know the officers that were shot and and one that was killed. You know it was just a waste of a waste of time. And in reality, in reality, he would have got maybe a seven hundred dollar fine. Mm. And you know what ended up happening was he, you know, took a police officer's life, um, shot three other people that you know will always remember that and always have injuries from it, and then um, ultimately killed himself. So he's affected all those people's lives for for what? It's senseless, isn't it? It's yeah. just completely senseless. Mm. Unbelievable, unbelievable, man. Was I don't. I, just, I mean, an experience like that's always gonna be with you, but it's gonna shape you as you go on in life. As you say, the experience harden you for for other situations that you were facing as well. Did, was that was that one of the most dire situations you've ever been in your in your police career? Uh, yeah, that yeah, that was that was up there. Um, I've had a few experiences of, of near death or uh, when I th- when I thought I was going to die you know I've had um, I've had a shotgun pointed at me at point blank range um, I thought I was dead that day but uh, survived to tell the tale and um, yeah I've yeah I've had a guy try and stab me in a kitchen uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah anyone looking at joining the police out there hey it's uh it's a dangerous job. Look out! Well, the kitchen's a dangerous place to be, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the lounge is probably a little bit safer. Mm. A little bit safer. But, but on, honestly, you know, any, anyone that joins the police, you, you know, if you go in thinking you're not going to get assaulted, you're, you're you're naive because you will. You know, I've been hit with steel bars. I've been punched. I've been kicked. Um, yeah, I've been shot at. People try and stab me. You know, it's. Um, that was just this morning. Yeah, that was just with these guys, you know. But yeah, so it's a, yeah, it is a tough job. So um, yeah, head offs all the people still doing it because it's got crazy out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And NZ particularly, culturally, politically, Look, yeah, the, I, the I, environments. I mean, it's completely different to when we were kids. Mm. I would say any country really where where you've got a, a pee epidemic or any drugs like that is is going off the rails. You know, depends on how much each government's spending on on policing and whether they're hard on you know criminals or not. Will will really dictate it. I personally don't think New Zealand does, but hey. What's your stance on drugs? Is it just a it, there's no tolerance with it? it? Just from what you've seen and what it does to people. It's surely got to... Yeah. Yeah? I mean, I, I, 
yeah, I, I personally think P, I mean, P is an epidemic. It's um, it makes people go crazy. It's you know, it rots you from the inside out. It's not it's not a good thing. You know, I think it's probably the the worst drug that society's ever faced. You know, you, and you, you had your people taking you know LSD and and heroin and coke and all that sort of stuff. You know, during you know during the last 40, 50 years, whatever it is, and mm. um, but yeah, P, P is a massive epidemic. It's, um, I mean, it's highly addictive. It just basically rots you from the inside out. To, you know, can turn you into a crazy person. And and uh, is it cheap? I wouldn't know. I mean, no, no, I don't know actually. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously accessible. Oh, very. What do you think? What do you think New Zealand's got such a bad drug problem with P? Well, well, I don't, I don't know the stats on any other country, so I, I, I don't actually know if that's the case or not. I mean, I don't know what Australia's like. I mean, it's it's probably like I say in, in most countries, and the gangs will peddle it because they make a lot of money out of it. Yeah. Well, ultimately, it's it's about making it's money. Ma- isn't it? Yeah, totally. It's exactly what it's all yeah. about. So, what's your stance on drugs, Glenn? Don't well, do drugs. I'm not going to have any today. <laughs> um, I was just going to say you look a little bit down. You obviously, <laughs> I might need the little blue ones at some stage, but I've never. It's never done anything for me. Never been a smoker. Just. It hasn't spun my wheels, mm. um, and I'm probably lucky, you know. I know people that have been addicted, so... Well, we've know. had mates that haven't made their 18th birthday. Mm. Yeah, and they've, yeah, and they've died in their parents' garage smoke, um, sniffing petrol. Yeah. It's just fucking sad. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just... What, what I don't understand is there was... There were drugs around when we grew up. There was cannabis, you know. I've experienced experience or experimented with it once again it doesn't do anything for it just makes me sleepy but i don't understand how these kids just smoking cannabis went from that to basically going crazy and ending up in psych wards and it's just from cannabis it it wasn't from anything else there wasn't heroin or cocaine or anything on the street in in new zealand at that time i don't i don't understand how a drug like cannabis can lead to that much deterioration over that short period of time. Yeah, I think it depends on how much how much you have, really, how much you have, and what what your um, your gene makeup is. So you think it's physio- physiologically? Yeah, I think it's a, the it's volume you have and and what your genes genes are. You know how your body processes yeah. it. Hey, we had to take a little bit of a short break because Rusty's got a Woolworths platter. Wee wee's. Um, thank you for telling us that story I know it was it, sometimes it's hard to recount that stuff but I, th- I think it was definitely something that need to, we need to discuss because I, I wanted to understand how you felt about the the day and, and leading up to that and of course your training as you say um, did you well I think yeah. we want to lift the mood a little bit you know do some funnies we were talking about earlier on the piece about how long we've been together. Not together, how long we've been friends. <laughs> oh, we're going back to that. Yeah, forty-five that years. Yeah, forty-five years from young kids. We went to school together. We played soccer, soccer together. Yeah. You know, we we sort of went our separate ways after school. Yeah. I mean, I was probably the first one to go. Uh, 
try to gain my independence. You had to go and do that extra reading class too, <laughs> just, to, just to help catch uh, up. Thanks, man. <laughs> no, like, look, um, school was never was never fun for me. There was a period there, and and I talked about it with mum and dad. It was it was just a time for me to go, and I think all I was trying to do was seek my independence and grow up. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just going to say you were very uh, stubborn, focused, um, and school wasn't for you. And you know, would you leave at fifteen? You know, focused. I wouldn't agree with focused. I, I'd agree with stubborn, and it was more of. Well, you weren't focused for school. Just what no, direction school wasn't you. Way. No, what's that? What you? Yeah. You're probably exactly right. Yeah, mm. I had I had my eye on the prize. I didn't really know what it was, but anything that I was going to do, like I do now, give it a hundred percent. Yeah, and and as I say to Mav, if you're going to do it, do it properly, or don't bother doing it at all. Hundred percent. That's yeah how it should be, and that's yeah. uh, that's why I've got what I've got, and I'm proud to say that everything I've got, I've earned, I work for. Mm. You know. And, so, we, and we survived in business together. You know? We did. We've uh, we've done a lot, haven't we? You know. Yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah, which is good. I'm and really still talking, which I'm is good. Really, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really. Pr- a lot, I, we're talking about business. I'm really proud about that. Um, my career generally has been focused uh, predominantly on me, and that opportunity that we got to work together was look, looking back, and it's really satisfying to go well. Look what we achieved. Yeah, you know? yeah, and and um, you know sometimes I think I think back and you know, you know for all those listening, you know, um, me and Brendan were in business for a year um, with another friend, and before Brendan decided he wanted to, wanted out to do other things, and you know I, I often think even today that hope we'd 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 stayed in there, you know where where would where would the business be? Um, today because you, you know you were very uh focused on growing um and and moving fast and pushing you know us out of our comfort zone and and i was probably a little bit more conservative um in business which that's, well that's fair enough because you hadn't been in business and what what makes me satisfied is that i had the knowledge that i had a lot of it was self-taught and I'd made a bit of a success with what I'd done and for you, for me to bestow that knowledge on you and for us to work together for a common cause, that's what's satisfying in business for me is setting a goal, achieving that and then going on to the next project. Yeah. You know, and, and achieving that and getting better and doing better. And as I said before, it's not about the, it's, it's never been about the money for me in in business you know I've put a lot of people through apprenticeships you know I've paid a lot of people's mortgages um, I've given them opportunities some opportunities they didn't realize they had and that's what's satisfying for me and out of my business career is 30 years 30 years long now and I look back on the stuff that I've achieved and sometimes it, it I mean it never sunk in at the time but now I go yeah I'm really satisfied that that happened oh, you should be proud of what you've done like you say you know you're self-taught look at this i didn't even know what we're doing today i, I can't believe what you've come up with you know it's it's a credit to you 
Yeah. yeah, and if the listeners out there could actually see see what we're looking at in this this whole studio is really impressive. You know, if you came 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 for a walkthrough, you know, you'd be super impressed because you know, like Glenn said, you know, we both came in going, "Wow, this is pretty cool." Yeah, you know. Yeah, and as I was explaining earlier, this whole project's been in my head for six months. Everything I do, and the great thing, the great skill I have, is I can visualize everything in my head and that's exactly how it plays out which is which is a, a a good skill to have and oh definitely that's exactly what's happened here so i'm yeah i'm really proud about this i'm i'm really looking forward to showing everybody tomorrow night at the launch at the opening i'm really happy and proud for you guys to be sitting here and and doing this with me you know it's probably going to be one of the first podcasts that will go to market um, and you know, it's, it's quite an honour actually to be invited. You know, to to do this is is obviously lots yeah. of people in your life that you could you could have got to come and have a chat, and it's us. You know, way smarter and better looking than us. Yeah. Well, I'm. I mean, yeah. I, to be quite honest, I probably wouldn't pick anybody else. You know, you guys are here. You know, we've all got stories to tell, um, and you know, it's it's yeah. So it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm really proud. So Breno's Renos, that's a no-go? No, Breno's Renos, no. It sounds like a lot of hard work. Although, when you think about it, basically Breno's Renos did this. The wallpaper, the ceiling panels, the painting. Unfortunately, our painter let us down, so Brando had to get on the tools, unfortunately. But um, yeah, thanks to everybody else that was involved, obviously. It was a, it was a team effort. Um, but, and, and where it's going to go, who knows? You know, it's an adventure. Yeah. So an where adventure. now? What's the next lot of podcasts? What's well, all the Well, as I said, Lewis about lifestyle. It's about living a better life. So you know, we want to talk to people with stories to tell about living a better life. You know, health, fitness, travel. I want to get some dude in here, that dude slash female lady, him, her, there, them, there, uh, talk about alcohol. You know, I want to, I want to find the, the best whiskey and I want to know why it's the best whiskey. Um, and, and stuff like that, stuff that's going to um, enhance my life and make it better. Yeah. It's a, it's a simple ethos. Um, and there's a lot of people in a broad scope that I want to have sitting here like you guys, telling stories or bestowing their knowledge on me. I want to ask the, the questions that people don't normally ask. Yeah, and I know that's going to happen because you know after knowing you all, all these years, I know that if you say you're going to do something, you just you just do it. And there's actually not many people out there that will say, okay, this is what I want to do, and do it. And a lot of people have excuses for whatever. Well, everything, saying, eh? all hooey and no dooey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, as I said earlier, it, I don't like to spout about stuff. I don't like to be the guy that's always going, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, because if for some reason it doesn't happen. You know, I don't want to disappoint people that, and ultimately disappoint myself because, as you say, once, I, once I've got something in my head, I just I want to see it out. And it's about riding that journey. And along that journey, you're going to learn some stuff, you're going to make some mistakes, and you're going to learn from those mistakes. And I think um, through my whole career, self-taught, um, because I'm stubborn, because sometimes I don't want to be told what to do, I, learn, I can learn the hard way and 
I'll learn the errors of that. I'll learn the errors of my way, and I'm, but I'm not going to make the same mistake. Mm, which know? is good because a lot of people do. Yeah, mm. and that's and that's where you, it's when you look at people. Some sometimes you go, so you've done the same thing twice and you've got the same result, and you still don't understand what happens. Yeah, I, that's, I, <coughs> yeah it's a definition of insanity. I, yeah, it's doing the same thing and uh, thinking you're going to get a different result. Exactly. So um, yeah, exciting times ahead, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get you guys back a, a couple more times. It's a good excuse to come over and. Yeah, and I, think, uh, I think you need to get a lady in because I want to know how to fold a fitted sheet. I still can't do it. How do you fold a fitted sheet? Is there a YouTube? Is there a YouTube video on folding fitted sheets, Mev? Yeah, I'll pop that well, up I'm right sure. Now. We, see, this is what we have technology. And why do hotels not put toilet brushes in the in the toilets? Why did you? Why was your first go-to to learn that as a woman? Oh, it's just always pissing me off. <laughs> that toilet, that, I mean, that toilet brush, is important. That toilet brush thing is not a sticking point. Excuse the pun. If you've got a good toilet system, if you've got a good toilet with a good flush system, we've just got a brand new apartment, new build. The toilets and excuse the pun, they're shit house, and every time. I'm looking at a, a fucking disaster zone. But sometimes you don't always line up properly. You know, you need a toilet brush. I'm 50 for years old, man. I, I think I know how to sit on For someone on that travels all the time and spends a lot go. of time in hotels. How, how, how do we get to this? <laughs> oh, you always get the poos at some stage. <laughs> the conversation always <laughs> turns to fast. shit, mate. It always turns to shit. Here we go. How to fold a fitted sheet presented by living... Oh. See, people have asked so the question. So today we're going to try to show you how to do that. First of all, why bother to fold your sheet? So let me show You've you. You've just lost a whole lot of viewers. And so by folding it, you can double your storage space instantly. Look how tidy that is. Here's unfolded. Here's folded. The amount of time it takes. I like the fire in the background. That's a nice touch. The doily. The doily on the mantelpiece. Oh, the doily on the mantelpiece. Or is it just easier to get a bigger cupboard? Well, she's talking know. about storage. I, I say get bigger cupboards and just chuck them in there. For anybody just listening, um, she's taking both the right corners and she's stuffing the other one into them. Oh. And to be honest, it, it's not that interesting. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> All right, man, that's enough. I think we need to move that on. Was, uh, that was our... That was our <laughs> You've just lost... Sorry to do that. Sponsorship. <laughs> That off. Oh. Back to wow. toilet brushes. Wow, that yeah. was um, uh, you that know, was good, Glenn. Yeah, you know when, <laughs> when Glenn gets home, he's going to search up that video again yeah. and watch it in its entirety. I, I think you should do a um, a YouTube video My on folding, podcast. Yeah, folding the fitted sheet. Better living, everybody. Yeah. Hey, so so fifty. We're fifty years in. Have you guys got a highlight? You got a highlight reel? What's your what's your Best achievement or your biggest achievement in your fifty years so far? If if there was one thing, could you pick it? No, I, no, I couldn't. No, no. Mm. Probably for me, you know, having a son, and then meeting all the people that come along with that. You know, just a different group of friends. Um, you know, obviously getting married and stuff, but um, no, there's been lots of different things that have been highlights, but nothing, nothing specific. I think I mean, I'm this is up there. Oh, right here today, yeah, yeah. 
Well, this is legendary, yeah, man. I love this sort of stuff. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm You're thinking, a natural. I'm, I'm, I'm not a whiskey drinker, but um, I think I might have to, you know, study up a bit of whiskey and you know do a few drinks and, and come back and do the whiskey one. You're hey, more you than you you're more think? than welcome. <laughs> I'll, I think I'll do you the can one. you can sit you can sit with the expert and uh, and we'll just sample it out. Yeah. Um, f- probably for me, I'm going to say Mav, my son. Um, I was never going to have children. I grew up not wanting kids. And I think for me personally, it was about not having to be responsible for something else. And something else that's, when you think about it, so fragile. You know, a growing child, a baby, and everything goes with that. So for me personally, that's probably up there, up the top. Um, I think also the travel. Best thing I ever did was jump on a plane and, and leave New Zealand and all the travel I did after that period and traveling alone traveling by myself best way to travel best way to go out meet people go to places where you normally wouldn't go have the conversations that you normally wouldn't have Um, and that's that's true traveling you know going down the back roads going to a restaurant that doesn't have English eating something that you don't know you're eating or eating something You've never eaten before. Like all three four. of us are lucky. I mean, all three of us would have done 30-plus countries each, mm. you know? Yeah, like, you got to travel. Definitely. I feel sorry for people that don't leave their own country. Yeah. Missing out on so much. Culture, food, sites. Yeah. Mm. It is, as you say, it's sad that those people can live their life without experiencing... But they don't know what they're missing. No. That's the thing. And you know, I don't, I don't think you can, you know, if, if, if people out there listening think oh, I'll retire, you know, when I retire, I'll travel. Um, it's nah, not a certainty. Yeah, don't do that because you, <laughs> you, yeah. you might not make it, and you might not be fit enough to walk because whenever you travel, you do a lot of walking. Exactly. Um, well, my mum and dad uh, uh, just get into their eighties, and same thing. Their plans and their travel plans work around their mobility and what they yeah, can and can't yeah. do. You got to you got to play as you go through life. You know you got to you got to do things. Don't make excuses. Just do them. That's another T-shirt, man. Yeah, it's going to be on the on the web store. Yeah, exactly. You know, just get out there and do it. Take the opportunities. And but remember, hey, what? Anything worthwhile is never easy. That's a T-shirt too. Life, oh, business, like relationships, whatever. Cheesy that one. No, that's good, mate. That's live your life by that. So we talked about highlights. What was yours, Rusty? Do we have do we have anything in particular that comes to mind? Um, no, I can't, well, I mean, you know, obviously having um, my you have cho- to children's up there life now because we've said it. I mean, you're going to look bad if we don't. Yeah, don't. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've got lots of highlights, but um, yeah, it's a, it's actually quite a tough uh, tough question. Well, I, I, I try and. Um, I try and uh, I'll fulfill my life daily, really. I mean, I'm always looking for that next goal that, um, actually that's another thing, you know, people people out there, you, you need goals. You'll never get anywhere if you don't have a goal. And so, you know, I've always got goals and I'm always focusing on those goals and, you know. Well, break, it's all like deadlines, isn't it? Yeah, You've breaking, got to break down deadlines, steps. And, otherwise nothing's going to happen. No, you know, no. There's no reason to finish or do anything if you don't have a deadline. Yeah, definitely, and I, you know, I think a lot of people go through life without goals, and whatever that is, whether it's sport, business, 
life in general you've just got to have goals and um, otherwise you won't get anywhere you just fluff around and move in circles I find it hard to believe that people are happy or content with not doing the best that they can do or not aspiring to be better or to do something better like a skill but again it goes back to not knowing what you don't know Mm. it's what they know you know they don't know they're missing out and we talking that comes all the way back to childhood and your upbringing it's the environment i mean everybody's a product of their environment we know that are we are we saying that it all stems from their upbringing i don't buy that you know you make your own luck in this world you can be whatever you want to be you know I know it's hard you can. when you have a tough upbringing, but you can still make those choices, you know? Oh, it's 100%, 100% you can. But, I, but I, I also think, you know, your upbringing does affect how you think. Um, I mean, you see it in society all the time, you know, the third generation unemployed, and you might get, you know, one out of 100 that, that breaks the cycle. But um, Well, it's those, it's those habits that are created that, that never get broken. You know, it's like yeah. teenage pregnancy. It's it's a habit that will keep on reoccurring because that's what they know. Mm. That's all they know. And but as we said, that's for them that's totally fine. That's just the way it's the norm. It just means that your grandmother's, you know, like only five years older than you. <laughs> a little bit longer than that. <laughs> you do the math on that one. Um yeah. I don't know, it's the ment- the mentality I have is to always want to do and be better and and as you say if if you do that on a daily or weekly basis and you're adding value to your life isn't that the idea of living a fulfilled life oh definitely you you only get one shot at it so you got to make the most of it it actually astounds me the amount of people that waste their lives you know getting into drugs or not having a fulfillment in either career whether they work for someone or have their own business and you know, some, some people just have no drive. Eh? Yeah, no, no. Do we all anything. agree? Do we all agree that life's hard? Oh, 100 percent it is. Yeah, you can make it hard. We're all on the same. Exactly. People make well, you life can. Hard yeah. yeah, yeah, you look, yeah. You've got to, you've got to look at some people and go, why, why are you making your existence harder than what it should be? So if you go to your grandmother's 30th birthday party. Life's, you've gone down the wrong track. <laughs> you've done, you've done the math on it. <laughs> Russell's like, <laughs> I'm, cr- I'm cringing a bit on that one. Actually, to be honest, you've seen it. You've seen it. Uh, oh dear. Okay, so we talked about highlights. It obviously in your career, you've you've had a bit of adversity. Personally, personally, what's the most adversity you face in your life? Oh, tough questions. All on camera. Jeez. Um, questions yeah. without notice are the best deep. ones. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I, well, I, this is what we do here. This is what we, we, we try to get. I mean, I, I think I, I've, had, I've had adversity all, all my life and I just uh, take it in my stride and set my goals and carry on. You know, life is up and down. You is will have good times, you will have bad times. You know, that's just life. Has there been a low point where you've understood how low it is? Like you've you've said, 
Now, uh, yep, I have. Yep, definitely. Yep. yep. Am I going to talk about it today? No, but yep, definitely. Uh, yeah, but that, but again, that that's life. You know, that's um, that's just how it is. Uh, what about you, Glenn? Oh, I'm the same. There's there's things that have happened, but you know, I can't talk about them, or I don't want to talk about them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've all we've all had to deal with it. Um, yeah, it's just it's how you how you get through it and. I mean, you know, going back to Russell's story, you know, I wasn't in that siege, but I knew Russell. Mm. So the minute it happened, I'm like, shit, I know someone in the AOS. You know, we've got other friends that are police officers as well that have been through some pretty, pretty bad things. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, Did you pick you up know? the phone? Oh, I couldn't, unfortunately, because he was in the hospital. But, um, yeah, so there's, you know, and, and lots of friends have had issues, whether it be mental health or sickness, but, you know, you just... That's why it's important to talk to your friends, you know. Yeah, 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 Pick exactly. Up the phone, go and see someone. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, and, and about mental illness and um, suicide prevention. Sometimes nobody knows what's happening, and they don't see the signs. And nowadays, people are made aware to look for those signs. And one of those um, messages is just pick up the phone and have a chat. Just check in. Just check in, you know, and just see how they're going. Thing is, these days it's it's not uncool to talk about your feelings. No, you know, ten years ago, you'd be told to harden up or your mates would take the piss out of you. I don't think they would now. Well, we certainly wouldn't. Mm. You know, I think we're a bit more caring. Maybe it's because we've got older. I don't know. Yeah, well, you want to no. hope you get a little bit wiser and a little bit. I think so. As you get older, but um, definitely the the commentary around it is better now. About oh, yeah, just it's talk, reaching it's talked out, about. It wasn't reaching out and it wasn't talked about, about back then. Yeah, yeah. You just didn't do it. No, even in the workplace, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of support. There's a lot of things you can do, which is great. Yep. Um, you know, with work's tough, and then you throw COVID on top of it when you get someone that's sick or yep. has issues. Okay, it well just compounds, you know. Let's touch on COVID because you guys had a same same but different experience to what we had in Melbourne. We had some really harsh lockdowns. Luckily for me, I was able to work through There's a lot of people still reeling from the trauma of being locked down and everything that was associated with that. How did you, obviously you were working through it. Yeah, I I, I, I was lucky enough, um, you know, being in my own business and um, supplying. So, you know, back in New Zealand it was... You're an essential business. Yeah, you could operate. An, yeah, if you're an same with me, essential service. You could yep. you could operate, and and that definitely definitely helped. Um, you know, it was still pretty rough because you 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 went. Uh, well, there's the uncertainty of yeah, what's going to happen. Oh, definitely, there? the uncertainty was a shocker. But you know, not having the income that you're you're used to, but your bills are still the same. Mm. Um, you know, th- that was all very stressful, and not knowing what 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 was going to happen and. You know, like I say, I was in a business that could still operate in those times. You know, I really felt for the people that had to shut down. You know, your hospitality industry. You know, those guys, tourism. Man, they they suffered hard, and, and they still are, to be honest. You know, it's it's a long that's a long haul to to try and get out of that. You know, the amount of people that lost their livelihoods, their retirement, um, the suicide rate that it was just through the roof. Well, and that wasn't talked about. You know what's shitty no. about the whole scenario is that they would constantly talk about the numbers of COVID infections. 
and deaths related to COVID. They didn't even mention anything about suicide rates, no. which fucking rocketed. Yeah. And it was like, well, we're not going to talk about that. And that, that, was really, that was really, really frustrating. Yeah. As you say, there was a lot of guys committing suicide because their businesses had failed. Because of COVID and because of the government shutting them down, I think it, it, a lot of things that happened were knee-jerk reactions. I think it probably could have been ha- handled completely differently, knowing what we know now. But there was no there was no playbook on it. There was no here's what you do in a pandemic. Hmm. You know, and but the the trauma, as you say, that continues to this day, and people trying to get their businesses and their lives back on on track. And it's good to see it in the rear vision mirror, you know, after, what, two years? Yeah, yeah it's not in our rear vision mirror yet for New Zealand. I don't think you guys are probably no. maybe three months ahead of us. Three, so what's months? the what's the climate around COVID in New Zealand today? Oh, people are just completely over it. Completely over it. Have you got government restrictions in place? Yeah, there are. You know, what are those? Masks. Um, you still got mandatory masks? Outdoors? In, in, no, not outdoors in certain, you know, certain shops but not in a restaurant or a pub well you have to walk into a restaurant with a mask on the minute you sit down start eating or drinking off it comes that's crazy excuse me that is fucking ridiculous isn't it makes no sense yeah it's completely fucking batshit crazy you know and these people and all these people that were living we had some friends through covid that were scared shitless not scared shitless about getting covid scared shitless about doing something where they would be fined by the government for doing that. Mm. $1,500 fines for uh, not wearing a mask. Oh, it was probably $200 for not wearing a mask on the street. And, wow. these, and these guys were fearful of mm. that. And that was, that was hard to watch. It was hard to watch. Mm. I mean, and, and it was quite frustrating because it meant that they pulled away from the relationship that we had and it got awkward. You know? I was very blasé about the whole mask thing. You know, as as you'd expect, I would be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah, yeah. these guys would wouldn't touch you, wouldn't shake hands, would always be masked up, even yeah. at the beach outside walking our dogs. And it was it was hard it was hard to watch, yeah. but that that was their choice. Mm. It was their choice, and they had to work from home, like a lot of people did. It was actually a bit of a breath of fresh air coming to Australia and and say walking into a mall or yeah, and you didn't have to worry about a mask. You know, it was, yeah, it's um, surreal, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's weird. Coming it's into the airport, we, we got through out of customs and we're in the arrivals area. It's like, shit, is that it? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I think the yeah. worst the the worst affected through that whole period here were the kids. When they had to homeschool, yep. they couldn't see their friends. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty tough on them. And they didn't, you know, <laughs> let's face it, they didn't really learn at... Uh, at home as they would have at school with all the yeah, distractions. Yeah, but the, fear, the and fear and the anxiety that they then had to deal with because of it, that's not something that you just snap out of. I mean, there's still kids now, you know, that, that are fearful and anxious about certain situations and, and that sort of stuff, that's mm-hmm. not cool. You've got this generation of kids that have just been a little bit fucked up because of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, how did, how did Quinn handle it? On, it was tough. But, well, you know, I work from home, so I was there. I'll, I'll be honest, he spent a lot of time on the PlayStation. I mean, we didn't go through the lockdowns that Auckland did. We had our first one and then a, a couple of mini ones, so it wasn't too bad for us. 
So we got off pretty light. Um, but yeah. you, know, you imagine mo- you imagine months that we yeah. had oh, to endure. Yeah. We didn't oh. have to endure that at all. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we were lucky where we were. I mean, say New Zealand, Auckland. I mean, they suffered. Yeah, they, 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 they still are. You know. Yeah. Man, that's and that affects the whole country. Auckland's the bigger city by mm. far. And man, they, yeah, they got hammered like, like unbelievably, and just like Melbourne. Yep, exactly. You know, it's, and it's still going on. You know that that effect is still is still rocking the whole country. You know, it's. Um, you got to wonder whether anything could have been done differently. I mean, oh, of course, th- there could there's be. a lot of there's a lot of arguments about the lockdowns and the and the what happened versus the the reward or the risk versus reward. Um, and knowing what we know now, if we didn't have the vaccination system, would be would we be better or worse? Would be, would we'd still be in lockdowns? Um, and and how that would affect society um, with all the infections. And but I, I'm thinking that it needed to just go through the population anyway i mean in in the first instance it was killing a lot of people but it was killing older people people with underlying health issues um obese people you know it, people that that were already sick a lot of elderly people sure protect the elderly and it's really sad that governments and and um cities didn't have any sort of protocol for this to happen why 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 is there not a playbook somewhere that should have gone well let's dust that off because we designed this you know what we're living in this 2020 you know why why don't but you hit the nail on the head you said if we know what we know now we didn't know that then you know we, mm. we didn't know about this pandemic bill gates the last major yeah. pandemic was in i think 1920 in the during f- first world was after the first world war it was the um, Spanish thing. flu yeah the Spanish flu was the last major pandemic yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. they didn't know anything down from that they couldn't really focus their every they couldn't focus even 50% of their attention on that because they had a world war going on and that was killing more people than the flu so we had no prior knowledge about that good research mate the Spanish flu, yeah. I mean, with regards to um, what's the word I'm trying to think about about yeah you know, the, the the quarantining. That's what I'm trying to say. The mistakes that were made there, mm. and the promises that were made by governments about and, and all all the mistakes, like the hotel quarantine. You hear about the hotel quarantine over here? And oh. just it it was just a complete fucking schmozzle. Yeah, no, I haven't heard about it over here. I know it was back home. Yeah. And they didn't have an area that they could dedicate to quarantine people. You know, obviously the, the, the air travel stopped, which, which shut that down. But the people coming into the country from other countries that had higher um, infection rates, obviously they got to quarantine. They did it back in the 1800s off the ships quite easily. Here in Victoria, but the government promised a centre that was never built, or if it did get built, I'm pretty sure it did, is sitting there now vacant, doing nothing. Oh wow! Waiting, probably waiting for the next. We'll be right for the next pandemic. Mm. What have we got? We've got monkey fuck pox, or is it monkey? Uh, <laughs> what's the next? 
monkey pox or something you know yeah it's monkey pox monkey pox I haven't heard that much you haven't heard, have you heard about monkey pox yeah I've seen monkey pox yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 the only thing I'd be worried about is if something affected my junk that I'd I'd get I'd be, I'd be fearful of that it'd have to be small <laughs> it'd have to be a small well for something wouldn't it amen what, what on my on my big I think we should stop it there. <laughs> Sounds like okay. a, a nano See, there was something. a line we weren't allowed to cross and that was, yeah. it starts at your line. waist. <laughs> After an hour and a half you've found that line. Hey look I, I mean we've done really well. I always and I've always said that uh, good guests have got at least an hour and a half in them. We could <laughs> talk, we took we we could talk longer. Before we leave though What's on the horizon for you guys personally? Have we got any goals, any aspirations? What's I mean, we're at, we're on the other side of COVID. I mean, you want to do? We all want to do more travelling. Individually, what have you got? What have you got to aspire to? Well, I've got a few few things. Um, we know in the business that I'm working on at the moment, um, and uh, I don't want to say too much there, but uh, you know, if that all pays off, you know. Um, yeah, thing, things uh, will be good. But, uh, that could open up a whole, whole, whole other, other, other topic in, uh, in manufacturing. I don't know if you want to go down that, that track. Well, that's, I think that's another podcast for sure. I mm. mean, you've got a lot, you got a lot of things to talk about. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's a so, whole other. So you're pivoting and and you're going down a, a slightly different route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you know, a hundred years ago we had had our industrial revolution, and I think we're into that next phase now. Oh, definitely. The next part of well, it. Well, if you look at the relationships that government have with China now, there should be a lot more local manufacturing going on, and it should be encouraged by governments. Yeah. Because as you say, it's just over the over the course of the period, it's just dwindled off. You know, and there's mm. a lot of stuff that doesn't get manufactured in countries anymore. No, and and, and things are going to change. You know, uh, with the shipping costs, you know, w- worldwide, um, things have got to change, and, and there will be more in-house manufacturing in each country. You know, so traditionally, New Zealand, Australia, and others uh, will buy things out of China, <coughs> and um, it's going to come back to the home home countries. What about you, Glenn? Oh, look, I just want to get back to normal. You know, COVID work-wise is still affecting us, you know, quite greatly. So I think we're another. 12, 18 months away before things start to set and settle down in terms of, as Russell said, shipping and other bits and pieces. Well, for you personally, with what you do, shipping's a major part of yeah. your daily chores, and or not chores, your daily business. Yeah. Can you explain to me and the listeners what the fuck happened with shipping? With the, there was a container shortage? Oh, so look, when COVID hit... You know, there was this big panic, you know, ships were broken down for steel, people thought there was, that shipping was going to stop because no one was moving around the world. Um, and then you had people online shopping. So when you online shop, what do you do? You, you buy something from China. How's it going to get here? It's going to come in a container. So all of a sudden there's you know, this massive pressure on container shipping, there's ports struck down with, with COVID-related um, staff shortages, there's been all these big backlogs. Um, so people just can't get anything from overseas, and countries like Australia and New Zealand rely on imports. Of course. So, you know, when that is your sole job, if you can't get anything to sell, you haven't got anything to sell. Mm. So it's affected a lot of people. 
and I think it's going to take probably another couple of years for that to settle down. And I think, you know, then people can get some sort of normality back into life. You know, things will get cheaper. Well, um, talking about cheaper and shipping costs, obviously they're going through the roof. In my experience, when things go up, they very rarely come back down. Are you factoring in future budgets that shipping is going to reduce in cost? Or are you quite happy to accept that what is the norm now is going to be the norm going forward? Well, the problem is shipping's part of your cost. So you have to build that in. So your costs are what, what they are. So you can't foresee what's going to happen. So until shipping costs start to drop, nothing's going to get cheaper. But can so you see the shipping costs it, dropping? It will, but it'll never get back to what it was three years ago. It'll drop, yep. but it'll never get back to the levels that we saw you know, in 2019, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So you know, nothing's ever going to be as cheap as it was three years ago, I don't think. No, no. <coughs> No, I totally agree. And there, there, will, there will be things, and it's already happening, that you can now no longer buy because it's too expensive to get them here. You mm. know, c- certain, say, large items that you can fit X, X amount in a container, but they're low-value items, they'll no longer be available because the shipping's just blowing them out of, out of the water. You know, it costs more to ship it than the, the product's worth. Yeah, so. and we have, that, we have that problem at the moment. We're selling stuff where the freight is a bigger component than the cost of the product. Yeah. Freight's going up, what, 150 200% minimum across the mm. board. Oh, look, you know, when you've got containers going from $500 a container to $6,500 a container. Oh, that's even... You know, it's massive. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Mm. Hey, look, on that note, I think we'll probably leave it. Thank you very much once again for uh, having this experience with us. Um, it's documented now, so you can't undo it. Excellent. We'll, ed- we'll edit out. Uh, we'll edit out the bad bits and uh, make sure that everybody hears and sees the good bits. So, um, thank you very much. Thanks yeah. for coming. Hey, thanks for the invite. Now look, well done. Eh? It's 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 a credit to you. And I, I look forward to uh, listening to a few more podcasts. I'm uh, very unpodcast savvy, so mate, it's, uh, it, something I've got to learn. Yeah. Look, put them on in the car. Put them on when you're on the treadmill. Um, I'm not saying I've got the best dulcet tones, but hey, if I've got something interesting to say and somebody wants to listen to it, good on them. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. That's a wrap, man. Thanks, yep. Rap. Thanks, Rap.